Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org question that came to us from mighty 24 verse number 27 to 28 that is the text where the question came from mighty 24 well, the scripture says for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shining even unto the west so also so shall also the coming of the son of man be and then for wheresoever the carcass is there will the egos be gathered together. So, here is a question. Jesus promised that his coming shall be like lightning that flashes across the sky from east to west. And in verse 28, he further said that wherever the carcass is, there will the vultures gather, or the egos will gather. So what does this mean? That's the question we're looking at. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, last week I touched a little bit on this. Uh, so we're going to continue with it. Again, we just go back to Mighty 24. And then let's start reading from verse 24 down. Uh, it's the, whole, the whole story is there. Again, 24. Mighty 24, that's fine. For there shall also arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Elect. Okay. Does that mean anything to you in relation to what we shared on Sunday? Talking about the elect at a particular time, remember that? Act 15. Okay, let's move on. I just feel you should connect scriptures. That, that is the only way you can understand the Bible. Because you see, the whole Bible is interwoven. It's like a tapestry. It's interwoven. It's connected. Especially when it comes to prophetic language, the whole Bible is connected. That's the only way you can understand the scriptures. When you can connect scriptures, when you can marry scriptures, is that okay? Are you with me? Verse 25. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, ye is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, it is in the sacred chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, shall it even unto the west, shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For where I say, the carcass is there, will the eagles be gathered together. And uh, I try to touch on the understanding the east-west Direction last week. I'm sure I did. Uh, but we're going to touch it a little bit again today. Just to build on that. So the east to the west direction of movement, I said it simply defines for us the move of God's glory back to His temple. As it were. Uh, you must understand that His temple that I'm referring to have nothing to do with the temple in Jerusalem. You must understand that God has another temple right now. 
which temple yeah. Is that okay? Is that okay? Second Corinthians six sixteen tells you that. Second Corinthians six verse sixteen makes you to understand that you are presently the temple of God. Temple of God is not a physical building. Temple of God is a people. Praise the Lord. Are we together? Amen. All right. So now, um, let's look at something again. Sorry, Pastor, what's happening to your camera? That's all right. So now, um, let's look at something again in relation to uh, this eastward movement. We have the east gate, Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 29. Nehemiah 3, 29 tells us that. I wish we can also displace that. After they repaired Zadok, the son of Eman, over against his house, and after him repaired also Shemaiah, the son of Shekaniah, the keeper of the east gate. Is that okay? There is this gate which is called the east gate in relation to the temple that was in Jerusalem. Again, we find that in 1 Chronicles 9 verse 18, let's read 1 Chronicles 9 18, it tells us about the king's gate to the east. And this is the gate where the king went in or out from the temple. And so we read in Ezekiah's vision of the lost return to the temple as well. And so maybe we'll quickly just look at that from... Let's look at Ezekiel 40, 43 from verse 1 to 9. Ezekiel 43 from verse 1 to 9. If you can pick it up from the Good news, I would have loved that if you have it. As, Ezekiel 43, verse 1 to 9. Say, so after what? Oh my God. <laughs> okay, so we'll go. The man took me to the gate that faces the east. That is the eastern gate now. Verse 2, very quickly. And Jair saw coming from the east the dazzling light of the presence of the God of Israel. God's voice sounded like the roar of the sea and the earth shone with a dazzling light. This vision was like the one I had seen when God came to destroy Jerusalem. And the one I saw by the Cheba River. And I want you to get this. This is prayer destruction of Jerusalem. And there's a vision that Ezekiel saw when Jerusalem was to be destroyed. And this is what he said. He said, I saw the lost presence come from the eastern gate like a dazzling light. You together. So when Jesus says this, it's coming like lightning. What is he talking about? 
He's coming for destruction. <laughs> Are you getting that? Look at it again. Division was like the one I feel when God came to destroy Jerusalem. And the one I saw by the Cheba River. Then I threw myself face down on the ground. The dazzling light passed through the east gate and went into the temple. The Lord Spirit lifted me up and took me into the inner courtyard where I saw that the temple was filled with the glory of God. Now, I need to understand something. It comes from the east, it settles in the west. My wife was asking me the question. Based on the Eastern Gate. And some of you just listening, I don't know. When you listen, when you hear this, put things together. Is that okay? Right. And when you don't put these things together, just ask questions. So that you can have clarity of what I'm talking about. So that you don't maybe perhaps go out and begin to say things that we are actually not saying. The Lord is not settling on the East. He is moving from the East... And settling in the west. Now you see what happened here. He saw the light coming from the east, but when he got to the temple, he saw the glory of God in the temple. This is God's coming. But now you see, the first vision he saw was the one that was coming for destruction. This one is a return to his temple, to fill his temple. Are you there with me? Good. So the Lord Spirit lifted me up and took me into the inner courtyard. Now, Yina Kontia speaks of the most holy place. Did you get that? Good. So, if the temple, if the Lord is coming in His glory to His temple, where you find Him settled down is what? The most holy place. And if you have to look at a temple direction, since the east, the gate is to the east, that means the Lord settles where? In the west. So that's why I'm talking of the east-west direction. Are you following it? Okay. So the temple was filled with the glory of the Lord. Verse, verse number 6. Then he said, Then a man stood before me, today, and I heard the Lord speak to me out of the temple. Mortal man, here is my throne. I will live here. And I see an amen. Among the people of Israel and rule them forever. Neither the people of Israel nor their kings will ever again disgrace my holy name by worshipping other gods or by burying the corpse of their dead kings. That the kings build the dome seals and dome poles of their palace right against the dome seals and the dome poles of my temple so that there was only a wall between us that disgraced my holy name by all the disgusting things that they did. And so in my anger, I destroyed them. Now verse number 9 says, Now, they must stop worshipping other gods and remove the corpses of their kings. If they do, I will live among them forever. Now, so, two things you need to understand about this move of God. It comes to lightning for judgment, for destruction. It comes also in lightning for settlement that don't inhabit. No, it comes to the place where he reveals his glory. Is that alright? So you need to understand the background. Now, this is, this is very simple. Anytime you're reading scriptures and you're finding some problems, all you need to do is to go find a shadow in the Old Testament and you just understand what the New Testament is talking about. So when you read about lightning and you don't seem to understand, all you can try to do 
is to go back and find how God ever moved as lightning. Because he has ever done that. There is, there is nowhere you read anything in the New Testament that doesn't have a reference in the Old Testament. Almost all scriptures in the New Testament have their references in the Old Testament. If you take time to study, the problem we have is we are not taking time to study to be able to find out what God is saying. Praise the Lord. Okay. So we find that the instant gate was reserved for the Lord's use only. Let's look at Ezekiel 44 verse number 2. And he said, And the Lord said to me, This gate will stay closed and I will never be opened. No human being is allowed to use it because I, the Lord God of Israel, have entered through it. It is to remain closed. Now we're going to stop there. God is saying, I am the only one to use this gate. Nobody is allowed to use this gate. So the gate was for God. Is that okay? Is that okay? It was such a big gate. And during the destruction of Jerusalem, according to Joseph, I mean, uh, Josephus, I mean, it's such a big gate that you need people to come and help you close. But the gate opened by itself. The gate opened by itself. So what he's trying to say is, destruction is coming in and the glory have departed. You know? They tried to close it, they couldn't close the gate anymore. But remember the Bible said, this gate remained closed. But when the destruction was coming, the gate opened by itself. Nobody was there to open the gate, but it got opened by itself. It's a sign that God of the pardon the destruction is coming to the city. Is that okay? So, look at again, um, Ezekiel 11 verse 23. It said, And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city, and stood upon the mountain, which is on the east side of the city. Is this same gate that the glory of God left the city with? Are you following what I'm saying? When God was to depart from the temple, which is why you say your tabernacle left to you desolate, it has to go through the eastern gate. So, see, when Jesus said, as the lightning comes from the east and says, so also the sun, coming of the Son of Man be. A true Jewish man understands what Jesus was talking about. Is that okay? Because they already have all of these things. They have these experiences. They know exactly what Jesus meant when he was saying all of these things. Some, perhaps, if I may use the word. Okay. Now look at Matthew 23. Have I studied it? Matthew 23, 38. Behold, your house. Now, let's go back a little bit. Let's start reading from verse 25. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This okay. <laughs> you just jump in this thing. Take it easy. Take it easy. Go back to verse 35. Let's have just 35. Okay. Okay. Take 34. Make, let it make sense. 34. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues, and particle them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth. 
from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou art killer the prophet, and stunner them which are sent unto thee. How often will I have gathered thee, I mean thy children together, even as the hand gathered her chickens on her wings, and you will not. Behold, your house is left unto you what? Desolate. What is he trying to say? I am God's glory. That ought to fill the temple. But as long as you keep rejecting those that God has sent to you, I'm leaving you to your fate. Your house, which is your temple, is not left to you what? Desolate. No glory anymore. Because he is the glory of who? Of God. So when he makes this statement, it was actually a pronouncement of judgment to Jerusalem. Is that all right? So now, having left the city, which definitely has to do through this thing, get as the glory of God. The next thing that is going to happen is he's going to come back, not to inhabit, but as lightning, or what? For judgment. Very simple. Is that okay? Alright, let's see, deal with some facts. The ark was always placed to the west. In the temple facing the east. You go to the temple, you find out the ark. If this is the most holy place, the ark was always placed in the west of the temple. And that is where the glory of God resides. The glory of God does not reside in the east. The east is the entrance into the temple. And then you find the glory on the ark. And the ark is always to the west. Are you following? Two, I told you the other time, Lot journeyed to the east. That is, he journeyed away from the presence of God to the land of destruction, which is Sodom. While Abraham stayed at the west, which is God's resting place. Let's look at Genesis 3, verse 11 to 13. Genesis 13, rather, from 11 to 13. Genesis 13, not 3. I'm sorry. Then Lord chose him the plain of Jordan, and Lord journeyed east, and they separated himself the one from the other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lord dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked, and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So we find that Lord went to the east. So when you move into the east, you live in the presence of God. Because God does not reside in the east. God resides in the west. But it comes from the east. Is it making sense to you? Is anybody following what I'm saying? If you can't understand, then you will understand. <laughs> God, the Spirit will teach you. Angels will teach you. You will understand. Hallelujah. When we talk about the Easterners, the Easterners, like the Jews, often bury their people with the head to the west, so that in the resurrection, they will face God rising from the east. That's their pattern. 
We have some Eastern brethren here. I don't know how your culture is. Some of you should be able to tell us a little bit better about this Eastern thing we're talking about. Anybody from the East here? We have all our brothers from the East say they are Jewish people, so they should be practicing some of this thing. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> people just do all manner of things. You didn't come from anywhere. You came from God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are, are you following what I'm doing here? Hmm? I want you to understand, when you read in the Bible, you should be able to see what God is saying. And I keep always reminding you, always try to compare the Old Testament to get answers to the New Testament. Is that okay? It's one book, one is a shadow, one is a light. You can trace the light through the shadow. It's possible. You do that. Is that okay? I remember one time when I was young in River State, Rivers, and there was this um, there was this guy that came to the community, and so they were on the River Niger, nowhere by River Niger, so they were just moving, and there was this balls flying, some eagles and other things flying up as they were moving, and so what he did was to get his gun. Instead of aiming at the bird, what he did was to put it down and was watching the shadow. And soon as the shadow came direct on him, he triggered and the bird came down. You can use the shadow to get the man. And that is why if somebody is hiding in your house and the shadow is falling, you can know that somebody is there. Am I right? So if the old testament is a shadow, it can lead you to the light. Check it. Not only say, oh man, all I know is the old, new testament. That is why your interpretation is always very faulty. I believe in you. I'm a new creation, man. I don't have anything to do with the Old Testament. That is why your interpretation of Scripture is always very faulty. You take a Scripture running around with it, no foundation. Look at what Jesus said here about light and look at what we are going through. Lightning. It's been there. It's just making reference to what has happened before. And what we read just now in the book of Ezekiel just proved to you. And that's why also when you read, try to make comparison. You see that the good news brought it out very clear as compared to other translations. Praise God. Try to be a student of the Bible. You will enjoy it. Because you will know your father, your fingertips. And when you're talking, you know what you're talking about. Is that okay? Are you with me? This should be your, your Bible college. So after some time, maybe I'm going to be awarding you certificate. Praise God. All right. Let me show you something again. Um, Genesis 4 verse 16. This is about Cain. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. Where is that? On the east of Eden. So Cain, after he killed Herbert, ran away from the presence of God. He went outside of God's presence to dwell on the eastern side which is called Nod. What does Nod stand for? Nod stand for wandering, a vagabond. So men that are moving to the east, vagabonds. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> are, you, are you with me, somebody? <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> you know, see, <laughs> we went to the east, side of Eden, and that is outside. Look at what he said. 
He went from the presence of God. Did you get that? So you see, God is coming from the east and he's going towards where God is coming from. God is not residing there. By the time God left the east, where is he going to settle? In the west. Now he's gone to the east, so it's not where God is. Is that making sense to you? It's just like men trying to go to Jerusalem. Or they're trying to go up in Jerusalem. They're going up, Jerusalem is coming down. What, do you, what are you doing? Huh? I saw the heavenly Jerusalem coming down out of God. Are you trying to go up? So what happened? You miss yourself on the way. You go up there, no Jerusalem. Jerusalem is here waiting for you. Praise God. Are you with me? So they went to the land of Nod, which is the land of wandering. So anytime you... You see, you look at the prodigal son. It's just the same thing. You go out of God's presence, you enter into a realm of wandering life. And that's what happened to Cain. And Cain was not saying, man, this is going to be too much for me. Anybody who sees me is going to kill me. God said, no, get a mark on your forehead. Don't touch Cain. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. So what are we saying here? As the judgment of God goes on in Jerusalem, throwing down all the religious concepts that stood against the true light, which is Christ, they would then be put to shame. So even as God called King Cyrus a type of Christ, He said, I will raise him from the east. Him that shall have hills on every step. Now maybe we need to read that scripture so that you understand. If you can take from another translation, in my note here, I try to read it from the Jerusalem Bible. Uh, some of you have never heard about that, but there's a Jerusalem Bible. Very beautiful one. It's, it, my copy is very old now, but it's nice. <laughs> I like reading old books. Some of you young guys, the things you, you're writing, they're too new to make sense. So, <laughs> you're writing motivational stuff. Not revelational stuff. They're two different things. Is that okay? I, I, I like and I live by revelation, not motivation. Okay, now. What motivates me is the Spirit of God. Job said the same thing. There's a spirit in man. There's inspiration in man. Okay, anyhow. Let's go to Job 41. Look at verse 2 and verse 25. Only those two. Verse 2, verse 25. Job 41, 2. Okay. Verse 2 says, Cast up, put on, hook. Oh, I'm, my goodness, I'm sorry. Go down to Isaiah, he said. Let's do with Isaiah. Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41, 2 and 25. Uh, okay, let's roll verse 1. 1 and 2, then we'll go to verse 25 to see that. Keep silent before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near, then let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. Who raised up the righteous man from the east? Call him to his foot. Give the nations before him. And made him rule over kings. He gave them as a dust to his sword. And as a driven stubble to his bow. Now he's describing King Cyrus. Did you get that? I call him from the east. What is that supposed to mean? It's coming for what? For judgment. Look at verse 25. I've raised 
went up from the north, and he shall come from the rising of the sun. Shall he come upon my name, call upon my name, and he shall come upon princes as upon mountain, and as on the portal, trendy clay. So, he's trying to say, this man is coming. I raised him up from the north, from the east. He's coming from the east. He has all the power, have energized him, and he's going to destroy nations before him. So, what we say now is, for instance, like here, his victory is already connected to God's own glory and power that is given unto him. Praise the Lord. I want you to gather this, because it's very, very simple. Oh. Jesus said in John 3, 19, John 3.19, what did Jesus say? This is the condemnation. A light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were what? Evil. Before now he said he is the light of the world. Or together. Is that okay? You are good. So now, two ways you got to see that. It comes as light, the tabernacle in his temple, or it can come as light as what? As judgment. You know, if you look at the book of Isaiah, I can't remember the scripture too well now. And the scripture says, And the word of the Lord lightened upon them. Have you read that? You know, when people teach that, the next thing they tell you, they say, No, the glory came upon them. No. When he said the word of the Lord lightened upon them, what he means to say, Judgment came upon Israel. You see that? Hallelujah. Amen. So, the coming of the Lord from the east was like kind of sudden, surprising destruction coming to Jerusalem. You know, and again, it can be seen as when the light comes to you, if you want to apply it, it comes to disperse away the darkness that are resident in your life. So that His glory will stand forth. Because truly, you are the temple of the living God. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Let me see, give you a few more scriptures. And then... Um, Alright. This is... Um, okay, so what am I going to say here? Um, let me also look at Second Thessalonians 1 verse number 10. Let me just read that. Second Thessalonians 1 verse 10. I'm sure we're ready during the conference, but let's take it. Take a look at this. Okay, let's go back a little bit. Let's go to verse 8. Oh, sorry. Verse 6. Let's start from verse 6. Second Thessalonians 1 verse 6. Saying it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Uh, you know, that's, you know that's, that's a strong statement. And we do know that Paul was writing concerning the Jews that were troubling the Thessalonica believers. Remember that? You remember that? Very good. And so again, you have to see the scripture. It's not really talking about you, but it can apply to you. It's so important, vitally important that you understand that. So look at verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now the mighty angels are not talking of the wings, creatures with wings. 
that okay? Angels basically, the word angel from angelo actually speaks for messengers. And whoever God sends a message is the angel of the Lord. In this context, it's not dealing with angels flapping their wings up in the sky. He was just simply referring to the Roman soldiers which had come to Jerusalem for destruction. They are his angels. They are his clouds that he was coming with according to Revelation 1 verse 7. Can you still connect that? Praise the Lord. And to you are troubled with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And the next thing. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Go ahead. Who shall be punished with the vast destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of what? Of his power. And verse 10 says, When he shall come to be what? Glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. I personally like this scripture so much because it kind of gives me hope, it kind of gives me insight, it kind of gives me how do I put it? It's something that I feel must come to be. Now let me give you a simple illustration of this. Where he said, now two things are happening. He's coming. Did you follow the scripture? He's coming to take vengeance, judgment. And he said that he's coming to cause the people to be what? Glorified. So here we go. It comes as lightning, a judgment to the temple. It comes as lightning to settle in the west, in his temple. Is it making sense to you? Praise the Lord. Now, when it comes to settled in you as a lightning, what's the next thing that happened? You glorified. Okay, let me give you an example. You see, because he said, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, who is going to be admiring who? Men that did not believe the gospel will begin to admire those that believe the gospel. That means something is going to happen in their life that's completely going to be different from what they've been experiencing before. So I'll give you an example of that. How many of you remember the testimony of Peter? I mean people about Peter. The Bible said this man, we are unlearned men. See, but they took knowledge that they have been with who? With Jesus. That's our admiration. What happened? Because Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but that which I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and do what? And walk. And the lame man walks. And so what's the next thing the people say? How come? This man, they are not educated. This man was just ordinary fishermen. Are you following what I'm talking about? How come he could be doing this? And the Bible said they took knowledge that he had been with who? With Jesus. Admiration. Now they are admiring Peter because Christ, as it were, is being glorified in his life. Are you following what I'm saying now? This is the coming of the Lord to be glorified in the saints. But I'm talking of something that's going to be greater and stronger and more powerful than whatever you have ever seen. It's part of what I was talking about on, on Sunday. You see? I'm talking about those sitting with Him that will manifest grace. And this is the kind of thing that's going to happen. You find out at the end of the day, even the people you know before, you will not know them anymore. Because the testimony will be like, is this not the carpenter's son? Are you getting that? 
When something began to happen in the life of, um, of Jesus, the, the whole thing was, is this not the carpenter's son? He, as, as his mother and the brethren, are they all now with us here? You know, how come? That's the admiration. A change is coming. Something is coming that is going to be tremendous upon the face of the earth. And partakers of this glory certainly will be admired by such men that will not believe in what we're talking about right now. You're listening to me. Praise the Lord. So, it's coming as lightning. It's not only God's moving judgment against the old order of Judaism, using the Roman soldiers, but also the gradual unveiling of His glory, the gospel of the kingdom, and the new nature of people to the world. I can tell you that the great match is on today as the rays of God's life. Praise the Lord. You see, something is going on, but we don't know. I want you to get that. There is a building up of God's glory in His people. And there will be an unveiling of this glory. Is that alright? Are you listening? Very good. You remember what He told Jesus in John 7? No, I can do all this thing. Let's go to Jerusalem so that men will see you. And Jesus said, my time is not yet come. Remember that? If you can think about John, who was in the wilderness, the Bible said, until he's showing forth unto Israel. You have to understand that. There is a time for the unveiling of the sons of God. Even the glory that is in your life right now, there is a moment of the unveiling of that glory. Let me tell you this. This thing you are hearing, they are building up something within your system. Is that okay? They will bring you to a place of transformation in the days to come. The word of God is life and spirit. I am trying to shape you into who God ultimately intends you to be. Are you listening? There is going to be an unveiling of His glory. In each and every one of us. And God is calling people at this time and season that we are. From amongst men. And it's nurturing them. It's raising them until they're showing forth. So that the residue of man will seek the Lord. We'll come to the place where men will begin to say, man, how are you doing this? Say, Jesus. Say, I would like to know your God. You follow what I'm talking about? I would like to know this your God. If this your God is this good, I would like to know him. And I'm saying that time is coming. Is that alright? Just be patient with God. <laughs> that time is coming. The season is coming. When there will be an unveiling of God's sons upon the face of the earth. And men shall say, man, how are you doing this? And listen, it is going to be such a situation that even the member of your own household will be amazed about the life you are going to be living and they want to find out how exactly you are doing it. God will put the mock association. God will put those who are trying to see you are wasting your time to shame. I used to tell people sometime past when this thing was strong and, and it's still strong by His grace anyway. But then I think I had a people who could listen to what I was talking about. 
But I'm sure this house will come back to that. So that we truly have to say what we are supposed to say. Are you listening to me? Not child is teen anymore. We have to move into something much more dangerous, if I may use the word, for human consumption. You know, and what am I trying to say? A time is coming when people, even in your own household, will be wondering how you are living the life that you are living. You see, I made mention of this on, on, on Sunday. The Bible says in every generation, God will not leave himself without what? A witness. And these things that I'm talking about, God is going to be revealing them through individuals all over the world. And it could be from your family. God has picked you to reveal you or reveal some of this thing through you. And what's going to be the next thing that will happen? You know, think about it. For instance, if you are about five or six in a home, you're living in such a way that you don't seem to need food to survive. Would they not want to want to live like you, especially with this economy recession? Are you there with me? I mean, when the pot is not what keeps you going, because I'm talking about the people who can live without food. Jesus lived without food if he wanted to. How many of you understand that? Especially when he rose from the grave. I mean, people who live supernatural life to that degree, that people be wondering, how come? And that is where the real harvest will come. Because they are going to say, show me your God. So let's go to the mountain of the Lord. So that they will learn of the God of these people. You understand that? They will come. I mean, that is when even the church is going to have re-mass harvest. People will say, man, I've got to go to church. If that man is living like that because he's a Christian, I want to be a Christian. You follow what I'm talking about? And the time is coming. When the Lord comes to be glorified in his sin. I used to like that scripture till tomorrow. Second Thessalonians 1 verse 10. One of my favorite scriptures that I don't forget. I know and I believe that there's going to be a time of glorification. For each and every one of us. We don't know what time it is, but God is going to do something marvelous that will shake the world. People will understand that religion has nothing to do with what God is actually going to do. All of these things we are doing today, all of this we are seeing today, we pale out like, you know, you know what kindergarten is? Children's play. No, but think about it. Can you picture somebody like Peter walking on the street and people are just standing up, getting healed, and he's not talking to anybody? I mean, can you imagine that? That is the admiration. That is the glorification. That is the magnification. And the Bible says, to whom he knew, if he knew, he called. To whom he called, he justified. To whom he justified, what does he do? He glorifies. So there is going to be a glorification of the sons of God. Be patient with God. Don't lose courage. Don't lose hope. Don't lose sight. Go back to the world. No, it's not all these things we see on TV. Go back to the world and find out the mind of God for His creation. What He really intends to do. Go back to the world. Not these things you see. Not these things you see. As good as they are. No. They will pay little oblivion by the time the goodness of God is fully being revealed through His sons on the face of the earth. Then you understand that 
there's a big difference between religion and the Christianity that Jesus intended us to practice. By the way, you must remember, God didn't really call you to be Christians. He called you to be sons of God. Amen? For creation is not waiting for Christians. If Christians was the thing that creation was waiting for, the whole world by now should have seen the glory of God. But God made in such a way that creation is waiting for what? The sons of God. You must understand these people that call them Christians, not God. As many as believe, He gave power to become the sons of God. The same DNA, the same genetic trait, the same power, the same goodness. That's what the Bible tells us. But men, seeing what was happening in the book of Acts, chapter 11, they said, These are Christians, they are Christ followers. So, it's not a label, neither is it a religious thing. As a matter of fact, it was supposed to be a stigma, but a good one too. Praise the living God. It was a mockery, it was, an, it was like an insult, it was like an abuse. Is that alright? But when they saw what was going on, they said, no, these guys, no, 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 no. These are Christians, followers of that man that is called Christ. An identity, a union, an identification. We have to understand that. Not this thing we're doing. Not this religious thing we are doing. No. There is something bigger, higher, deeper, stronger, wider. <laughs> Scripture talks about the land, the depth, the height, the breadth. How many of you understand that? The perfection, the height, the depth, the breadth, the length, cube. That's perfection. We say height, length, breadth, width. That's cube of God. The height, the depth, the wisdom, the knowledge of God, the past power of understanding. God is going to do something tremendous. That's what I'm telling you. I know it's going to happen when I don't know. But I'm saying, the light is coming. And it's coming for two major reasons. When it comes, it could come for destruction, or it comes for what? Glorification. It all depends. And when the light hits you, the real light of God hits you, like what we're describing, all your religious understanding will die. And then his own light will stand in his temple to become the glory. As a light set upon the mountain that cannot be hidden. And that light is you today. For he said, you are the light of 